What is up, everybody? Happy Election Tuesday. Uh, welcome to the D&D Sports Show. We kind of had a little uh, mishap yesterday going on, so we were not able to record, so we're coming at you live today. We are going to be going over a wild, wild weekend of college football, NFL games. We're going to go back about last night's Monday Night Football game, and then we're also going to close this out. And what better way to close out the election day than to talk about some of the finalist awards in the MLB and vote and vote on who we think each award should go to. So we're kicking it off, going straight into some college football. I mean, what do we talk about this Halloween? I mean, we called the West Virginia coming out and beating Kansas State. I mean, did this weekend hold up to your expectations? Yeah, I think I think that this weekend was definitely um, kind of a. I don't know. I guess a surprise, um, a little, a little bit of an eye-opening weekend for some teams. Um, you know, we saw Ohio State kind of be human for a little bit. Um, obviously, I know that they gave up, uh, you know, some fourth-quarter points and made that score a lot closer than what it was. Um, Justin Fields had another amazing day. Um, there's a couple of other teams who really showed what they were made of. Uh, Cincinnati, like, blew the doors off of Memphis. <laughs> um, Mizzou, you know, showed the the Mizzou that we were anticipating going into uh, Florida. Florida had that uh, COVID, I guess the COVID buy, you can call it. Uh, Michigan, I feel bad because, you know, unfortunately they couldn't hear us um, talk about this on Friday, but we were dogging Michigan State for being a terrible team losing to Rutgers. And, uh, and I, I think that it just proves that, you know, anybody can be anybody any day. Um, they played well. Um, Rocky Lombardi, he, while he wasn't efficient, uh, found a way to lead the Spartans to victory. Um, North Carolina, we get, every week we every week we talk about them. They collapse, and you know, obviously, I mean, it just it wasn't one of their best games. I mean, they played solid up until you know that fourth quarter. Well, I mean, even in the fourth quarter, they outscored their opponent. Um, I really think the game was lost in that first half. You know, uh, anytime you, you give up, you know, or you don't have the lead going at halftime, it's, you know, kind of a, a tough a tough uh, one to overmount. Um, a couple other games to note, Coastal Carolina, we knew they were going to win. We didn't know they were going to cruise to victory. We knew they were going to win, but we didn't. Um, we knew that they were going to handle business. Um, Oklahoma's offense really showed up this weekend. Indiana beat Rutgers, which really we expected that. Um, I did. I do think this Indiana team is a lot better than what people think. Um, the offense needs to catch up with their defense um, because their de- their offense did stall out a lot. Uh, I I would want to point out that both of our upset picks did come obviously did come true. You picked West Virginia over Kansas State, and I picked Texas over Oklahoma. Um, they made it what interesting. A game. What a game that was, though. I mean, I mean, they, yeah, it was a. Both games, honestly, were you know, um, kind of unexpected. Um, a lot of people uh, had Oklahoma State rolling. You know, I mean, credit credit to Spencer Sanders. Um, I'll be the first one to admit it. He played a hell of a football game. That defense of Oklahoma State just could not handle the Texas offense. Um, the rushing attack, uh, you know, caught up to him. Um, you know, special teams. Um, that that kickoff return in the third quarter by Deshaun Jameson was kind of a real. Um, I would say a, a um, 
a momentum shifter because, uh, you know, they just uh, scored a touchdown. They went up 11 in the third quarter, you know, sitting pretty. And just to answer like that um, was really kind of a uh, a tough one. Um, but, you know, it's something that you got to overcome, especially, uh, you know, in the Big 12. We knew the Big 12 was just going to keep beating each other. Um, they're just going to keep beating each other up. We already pretty much established that there's no Big 12 team that's going to make it. Um, but a couple of teams who are still finding ways to win, uh, BYU, you know, obviously they are sitting at seven and zero. um, you know, looking ahead at the, the remaining schedule, they have a big game this week against, uh, Boise state. Um, so that'll be a fun one on, uh, this Friday, I believe they play on Friday. Um, but it's going to be a good game. Um, it's going to be primetime game on uh, FS1. So look forward to watching that. Um, <clears throat> we also have, um, well, like we already talked about, Coastal Carolina. Well, what about this Bama team? I mean, Mississippi State, you know, how the mighty have fallen. Mike Leach mic'd up week one against LSU. It was pure gold. And then just since then, it's just, I mean, this offense has just fell off. Like, we don't know this offense. Like, there was literally talks. There was talks to start that KJ Costello was going to be in the Heisman race, and their offenses just fell off 14 points against Arkansas, two points against Kentucky, 14 against Texas A&M, and a, a big old goose egg against Alabama. I, I mean, mean, when you look at it that way, um, Mississippi State going in against the Kentucky team that we thought was going to play a lot better this season. But now they're starting to get trounced week in and week out. So what that really doesn't say much to the, you know, how good this Mississippi State team could have been. We thought, everybody thought this team was going to come out, put, put up 400, 500 yards of offense each week and come away with some really good close wins. But now we're seeing the exact opposite. They can't hold on to the football. They can't score. And their defense is just not being able to keep up with other teams' offense. I mean, when you don't have an offense that's scoring points, how can you expect to win football games? Yeah, exactly. And I want your opinion on this. So um, I uh, the other team in the SEC, you know, we talked about Alabama's dominance. Um, I, with, with, the, with, uh, with Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence sitting out this weekend, um, I do believe that Mac Jones is the front runner for the Heisman right now um, after another monster game. But another team that I really think you need to look at is this Georgia team. And this Georgia defense is one of the best in the country. But what we have seen happen with this Georgia team is their offense is starting to struggle. And it's started um, against Alabama not being able to put up enough points uh, to stick in that game. And I really think, honestly, it starts at the quarterback position. And I really think if, if you look into it, it might be time to give uh, JT Daniels a, a shot. You know, um, he, he did have, um, he did have a, a pretty bad injury at USC that unfortunately shortened his time there. But I think that if Stetson um, Bennett keeps up the way he's going, you know, he had two picks in the last game. Um, really, di- really, yeah, really didn't give a chance, uh, a team a chance to win. That defense, thankfully, only gave it three points. Um, but especially against Florida, you're going to have to get offense. I mean, you saw against Mizzou, Florida and Kyle Trask. 
I still stick by Kyle Trask as one of the most efficient quarterbacks in um, the SEC. So I, you're going to have to do something because um, this is your last big hurdle before you have kind of a cruise at the end of the season against Mizzou, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. So you have to win here. This is this is this is the peak of your schedule. If you win this, I mean, you're sitting there one loss. All it takes is a Notre Dame loss uh, to a, a bad team. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame still has to play Clemson this week, and I mean, obviously, one of those teams has to lose. So you're sitting there at Georgia. If you win out, you're probably going to be the four seed. Now, this Georgia team is getting kind of lucky going into a Florida team that now has three suspensions going into next week due to the brawl with Missouri last weekend. Um, now, with that being said, this Georgia team is very one-dimensional right now. It's, it's, it's how it's always been at Georgia. It's run the ball, run the ball, run it down their throats. Now, that being said, when you have Zamir White running 136 yards per game at least, you don't have to really worry about that. But, yes, we talked about Stetson Bennett throwing for two interceptions. Uh, fortunately, not losing his fumble, but still fumbling the ball. These are key things you have to fix going up to into this next game because, honestly, you can't sleep on Mizzou. Mizzou has been playing pretty well. They were in the game up until the end of the first half. Then that brawl happened, and then the game changed completely. And then Florida kind of just put their thro- uh, their foot on Mizzou's throat and just kind of walked away with it. But that's not the normal Mizzou team. This Mizzou team has played really well against better opponents. I mean, you just can't just walk. You can't get look past them. You have to worry about them at the moment. And if this Georgia team doesn't figure out this offense and they are all heavily relying on that run game, they could be in trouble after this next week. Uh, two teams, two teams to watch um, this next weekend. You know, you, when, whenever you, whenever you start at it, obviously you have to look at this Clemson team who really showed who they were. They had a gut check. I mean, going down twenty-eight to thirteen at half, coming out with a true freshman quarterback. I mean, not a lot of people gave him a chance, but you know, DJ stepped up and he he found a way to will his team back. Um, he will be the starter next yep. week against Notre Dame, um, with Trevor Lawrence obviously sitting out two weeks for COVID protocol. Um, I mean, I don't know if you if you got to watch this game at all, but this kid can straight out play. I mean, not only doing it with his arm, but doing it on the run. Um, I mean, fourth and one, everybody thinks you're handing off to the best running back in the nation or one of the best running backs in the nation, um, and he pulls the ball and runs it for 38 yards for a touchdown. I mean, Dude, I mean, the kid, it, exactly. I mean, he was a gut check the first half. He was efficient in the first half, but the coaches really limited the play calls. They were trying to, you know, they didn't necessarily force the ball down the field until he got a little bit com- more comfortable. And he really, I mean, he really stepped up when his team needed him the most. And I, I mean, I really see this as a, as a, you know, Ohio state, uh, kind of situation where you know you have multiple quarterbacks on the team who can win you games. It's there's not going to be a controversy, but you know whenever, um, when uh, I believe it was who was it that got hurt? Is it uh, JT Barrett that got hurt, and then Cardell Jones stepped up to win games? Yeah, at Ohio State. Yes, yeah, this uh, essentially essentially this Notre Dame game right here is a playoff game. If they win, there's Looking ahead at their schedule, 
they're not going to really lose the game. They play Florida State, who Florida State has been struggling this year uh, to really get anything going. You have Pitt, um, who is also struggling to get going. Um, and then uh, Virginia Tech is probably their biggest challenge um, remaining, but I still think it's a very winnable game, especially if Trevor Lawrence is back. Um, but one more thing to mention about this game, shout-out to Travis Etienne. He is uh, the ACC leading rusher. Um, he did pass um, the record during the game. So, um, honestly, he's had a tremendous career. Um, he's going to, I think, transition very well to the next level. And, uh, But I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if this Clemson team keeps staying hot and the running game picks up, you know, it's going to be like it could potentially be the top four in the Heisman race could be from two teams. I mean, looking at Clemson right. and Alabama, uh, Mac Jones – Damian Harris and uh, Travis Etienne, Tra- Travis Etienne and uh, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's kind of whoever has the bigger last uh, three, four weeks. Um, I really, I really think so. All right, now two games I want to touch on real quick, just while we have time. LSU continues to struggle. I mean, Auburn put up forty-eight points. Bo Nix finally had a good game for him. Um. I mean, what's what's ailing this LSU team after? Is it just championship hangover still? Uh, I think I think it's there? losing it's losing all their playmakers. I mean, you you, you go into a year and you, you don't have anyone returning. It's not never easy. I mean, you lose you lost your quarterback, your running back, your leading two receivers. It's not not easy. You lost core the core of that defense. I mean, I didn't really expect a whole lot from this season, but I did not expect this much of a a, a uh, collapse. Also, real quick, wanted to point out, I apologize to all of my Bama fans out there. It's Najee Harris, not Damian Harris. I just uh, saw that. I am thinking of the running back for the Patriots that came from Alabama, but it is Najee Harris. I don't know if it's any relation, but probably knowing the breeding ground that is Alabama running backs is probably related. Oh, no shade, no shade. I'm not. No, I'm not saying it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't an Alabama joke. It was just. It, okay. was just, it was just a fact. Yeah, it is. Um, but the second game, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this game. I watched a little bit, and I was amazed at this. Uh, Louisiana, Louisiana Tech versus University of Alabama Birmingham. I believe. Uh, it oh, went into baby. two. Yeah, it went to two overtimes. With Louisiana Tech pulling it out at the last minute, something I just want to look at is these. These were two very good teams going into this contest. I mean, for just a, ba- a complete back and forth game, a wild pick six to happen for uh, Louisiana Tech. I mean, he picked the ball off, was on his way down, flipped the ball backwards to another cornerback, and the cornerback ran it in for a pick six. If that's not teamwork, I don't know what is. But this. This was a wild and fun game to watch. I was slipping through channel through games on Saturday, and I happened to come across this, and I decided to watch it because it was such a close game. And man, am I glad I did! This was an incredible game to watch, and I just wanted to point that out since it was just kind of one of those back and forth games, and we didn't see a lot. We only saw a couple of those this week. There was a lot of blowouts going on this week. Yeah, you got to give some, you know, you got to give some love to the Conference USA. Um, this UAB team has has uh, you know has a couple of credible losses, you know, on their schedule, um, especially if this Louisiana Tech team keeps winning. Um, you know, 
both teams have really lost to good teams. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see who comes out of the uh, Conference USA, specifically the West, where they both uh, play. Okay. Well, do we have any other notables to mention? Oh, besides the uh, number nine Wisconsin game getting canceled, I think. I don't know what they plan to do with that due to the shortened season already. If they're just going to put off the game or they're, they intend on playing it, we will keep you updated with that. But for now, it just looks like they're just skipping it. And one, one, uh, one last thing I forgot to mention. You know, big news out of Maryland. You know, I did trash uh, old Tao Tagovailoa last week um, for the real stinker of a game that he put up. Um, obviously, I know they're playing Northwestern, who Northwestern historically has a good defense. Um, but you know, he he showed up. He made some early mistakes, but he came back, found a way to win. And uh, you know, shout out to him getting his first uh, first career victory. I mean, what a better way! To, what a better weekend for that family than. Ah, uh, hold on, I'm, uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. Whenever we get to the NFL, well, it wasn't a very good weekend for the other brother. It I'm wasn't like, a good weekend. I no, we'll just leave it at that. We'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, but let's transition. With that being said, let's transition to the uh, the professional uh, level. And uh, oh, well, review yeah. review this uh, wild and wacky Halloween week weekend. eight. Um, well, let's just start at the top. We'll start with the early slated games. Um, I don't know if you got to watch it or not, but I I did get to watch it. Um, the Bills Patriots game. Um, the Patriots are finding new ways to lose games. Um, <laughs> I mean, as a Bills fan, it wasn't pretty. We take we take a win anywhere we get. Um, it's crazy to think that that we, uh, you know, we honestly should have should it shouldn't have been this close. Um, our offense really struggled in the first half to put up points, and uh, I think that really started. I, it kind of just articulated from the top. Um, you know, Josh Allen definitely made some rough mistakes, but I know that. They really relied on the run game because they want to establish that. They know that we can throw the ball 40 times in a game, but we have to establish a running game, which we did, I think, in this game with uh, Zach Moss having the two rushing touchdowns. You have Josh Allen having one, and then Devin Singletary running for 86 yards. Uh, it's a start, and I think that that was very important for you know us to just go out there and not rely on Josh Allen to win a game for us. The defense came up, came up strong. And I really think this Buffalo defense is going to keep getting better as they stay healthy because they have to just stay healthy. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a very uphill battle. Um, this week we're going to be facing one of the best offenses in the league and Seahawks. So I mean, it's it's going to be a uh, a fun weekend um, this weekend. I do like your tandem you have up in Buffalo. I mean, Devin Singletary's good. Um getting you there. And then Zach Moss has that physical running ability where he can just stick it to you, run inside the blocks and just running through people. And that's, that's how he got both of his touchdowns were inside the 10. And he was able to just physically get into the end zone. Josh Allen had a couple mistakes. I mean, he's kind of dropping back down to earth after watching him the first three weeks of the season, throw up monster numbers and pass the ball 40 times a game. 
But leave it to Cam Newton to do Cam Newton things in the fourth quarter and not protect that football. When you are taught in peewee, you hold the football on the outside on the opposite side you're running. On the outside so they can't strip sack you. And what does he do? He just decides to willy-nilly hold the ball in his right hand and kudos to the uh that Buffalo defense for getting in there and punching that ball out, securing the win. I mean, Cam Newton is playing terrible right now, and Bill Belichick wants to stick with him through the whole season. I mean, that's a good way to get a good draft pick, in my if I'm being honest. I, this is not the Cam Newton of old, and I don't think I don't think he's going to turn the season around at all for this Patriots team. Yeah, and it was an outstanding play by uh, Justin Zimmer. You know, this guy was two weeks ago was playing on our practice squad, you know, giving Josh Allen uh, a look on um, defense. So, you know, it's 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 good to see uh, somebody who, you know, isn't, you know, one of the big names on our team. And we did really well, um, especially, you know, obviously our, our run defense is, was still struggling today, but we're also missing our starting strong safety as well as, you know, playing with a hurt middle linebacker is never easy. So with that being said, Bill seems going to be interesting to watch. I think this kind of proved that it's a two-horse race in the AFC East. Um, you know, don't give up on the Dolphins. The Dolphins have a pretty, you know, I mean, they basically have the same schedule as the Bills, so they're just going to have to get hot and uh, stay hot. Um, but let's go to a team who is kind of trending downwards. Um, you know. Big, big start to the season, um, a tough loss uh, to Pittsburgh last week, and all of a sudden this Titans team is struggling against a Bengals team who I apologize to Bengals fans for not even giving Cincinnati a chance in this game. The um, kid. I mean, yes, Joe Burrow had a, had a, a, a very good, efficient game, um, but I want to start this defense. Uh, really, I mean – from the opening possession, you know, like, you know, they bet there. I always think that this bang, when it comes to Bengals defenses, they always bend, don't break. Has always been their mantra. You know, all those years that they were, you know, good competing with uh, the Steelers, um, with Andy Dalton and everything um, in his prime, prime years. Um, you know, it's always been, don't break. Um, you know, they had the early interception, forced to miss field goal. You know, ultimately, I think that, you know that's that's going to be the key for the Cincinnati team to win because Joe Burrow is gonna gonna keep you in games. He's not going to be, um, he's not gonna try to do too much as you saw. I mean, he made one of the most outstanding plays I've seen. Um, he you know escaped like four people and threw it like for like a twenty five yard gain. Um, and this uh this Joe Burrow T Higgins combination is going to be fun to watch for uh, you know the foreseeable future. And I want to touch on that real quick. Um, early in the season, when you saw the Bengals struggling, you didn't see a good Bengals defense. You saw Joe Burrow trying to force the ball and be the be that guy. You know, the one you can put everything on his shoulders and he can come through every time. He was trying to force the ball and, and he was forcing passes that shouldn't have been made, which were causing them to lose games. You know, uh, game one, he... Game-winning drive down the field. They missed the field goal. That's not on him. Game two, same thing. He he throws a miss, uh, an ill pass. Game over. Now that their defense is showing up and coming into these games and playing well, he doesn't have to worry about 
forcing everything on his shoulders and forcing the ball in places that he might not be ready to throw it yet. He's laid back. He looks more relaxed. He looks comfortable with this offense now. And I said this already. I do think this team is going to trend up. I think they will finish 500 this year. It is very possible you have matchups against Washington, New York, Miami, uh, Dallas, and then uh, a game against Houston towards the end of the year, which, I mean, if they win all of those, there is a chance that they come out with, say, six or seven victories. Um, but, you know, they do have a tough one this week. We'll see what if this team, you know, has a hangover from, uh, you know, playing, playing um, they have to go to the Steel City. Um, so. We'll be, we will uh, we will see how that goes for them. Um, let's just get into the next game, though. The next game is um, well, the stinker of the week. I mean, it, yeah, <laughs> that's oh, that's a really a good way to put it. Um, or the you know, biggest letdown of the week. I mean, I mean, this we Browns can, we team. Can go, we can go on with this. The Browns team obviously missing two key um, key uh, players on the offensive side. With uh, Odell Beckham and um, uh, as well as um, Nick Chubb, but I Austin do th- Hooper. and Austin Hooper, yes, as well. I forgot about him, but I mean, it was a real stinker of a game. Um, really, nothing really positive came out for either side in this game. Um, you know, the, the Raiders did just enough to get it done, especially uh, that that fourth quarter. You know, Derek Carr led the ultimately the game winning drive. Um, so, I mean, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot. You know, Cody Parkey did Cody Parkey things and missed a potential um, making it a one-position game uh, towards the end uh, of the fourth quarter. Um, so, you know. We finally saw Josh Jacobs run for over 100 yards again. I mean, uh, that, well, that's been a while or a long yeah, time coming for us. I mean, it took him 31 carries, though, is the issue. And, you know, that's not a sustainable number for him to do. Um, I mean, he only averaged four yards a game or a a run, so it's going to be something that they have to work on. I mean, Derek Derek Carr has to be better with the ball. They, you know, fifteen for twenty four for one hundred fifteen yards. That offense has the capability to be a top offense in that division. It could, I mean, that that offense beat Kansas City, so uh, they're going to have to figure out what exactly uh, went wrong. Um, it's it's just something that they're gonna have to build off of, and they definitely have this, the remaining schedule to, you know, get get a late run and and try to get one of those wild card spots. Agreed. Um, and I think this Browns team is trending down, and I think it it's 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 gonna be a rough road, especially with the Bengals team kind of getting hot and the, them having to play, you know, the Ravens and the Steelers, um, as well as the um. Titans. Um, it's going to be interesting. You know, those two I games. Think, this, this, no, uh, this, it, I mean, they still have a chance to make an AFC playoff spot. Um, you know, they do have a lot of weak games. They have the Texans, Eagles, Jaguars, and Giants, and Jets. So there's five games right there. If they win those five, I mean, I, th- I think if 10 wins, they'll be a, uh, a wild card. Yeah, and I do think we saw what Cleveland is capable of doing if, if all the conditions are right but it hasn't been that way for a long time for them. And I think we just saw what they are capable of, but it's not going to be um, sustainable for them. 
and I once again, I don't think Baker is the key. I don't think he's the piece to put the Browns together. Um, I just I'm not a Brown. I'm not a Browns fan, I, and I don't think I don't think they will be able to keep a good offense together. I mean, their defense is not terrible. They're able to hold certain offenses to valuable numbers to where they let their offense to score. Now, yes, those offenses do have to score 35, 40 points a game for that to happen, but, you know, they they are able to do it. But this offense is just way too inconsistent for me to even rely on them one week in and week out. Speaking of historically bad um, franchises, let's just go into the next one. Uh, this Colts team, uh, their defense, uh, we keep talking week in and week out, is going to keep them in games. Um, they're going to give uh, Phillip Rivers a chance to win, and obviously they proved that this week against this uh, this uh, Detroit team. Um, and this Detroit team obviously had a really hot start. Um, we thought, you know, even with their close losses, that they would have a chance um, to really solidify themselves as a contender in that division. Um, ultimately, just, you know, from the start um, – they really couldn't get anything going offensively in the first half. Um, I don't know. This is just a, a good defensive win for uh, for the for um, the Colts. I mean, you know, it helps that you know you get a pick six in the second half to kind of ice the game, and you know, fumbles. And I mean, I just think this is a this is just proving that this Indianapolis defense is for real. Yes, but I also think this offense kind of. I mean, you saw Phillip Rivers, who was able to throw for 262 yards and three touchdowns, something he hasn't really been able to do with this offense over the course of the season. And Jordan Wilkins showed up for the running game, which was somebody we didn't expect to. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had 22 yards, Niamh Hines had eight, and, you know, for a third for a third string running back coming in and dominating this game, it's good to see. They just have to figure out what is going to work as receivers go. I mean. When you have two, um, one of your running backs as your top targeted receiver, I think you need to figure something else out. I mean, T.Y. Hilton has been abysmal this year. Where is that you know top five pick where we saw two, three years ago? I mean, he had two receptions for nine yards and only two targets. They have to get something going for this receiving core if they want to compete. This defense cannot win them through playoffs. I don't think it's possible for that to happen. Yeah, I think that this team should have been big buyers in the uh in at the trade deadline. Uh, this is one of the teams who I wanted to talk about, you know, really um really kind of upsetting not to see them not maybe move after somebody like a Golden Tate or, you know, somebody who has a receiver with an expiring contract this year. I'm um, trying to bolster that receiving core. Um but it, it can't all fall, you know, on the receivers either. Um, Philip Rivers has lost the ability to throw the deep ball um, with as much um, accuracy and zip as he has in the past. Obviously, with him, uh, I'm him aging. It's not necessarily his fault, but um, I do think that this team is is you know kind of on cruise control the rest of the season. Um, I do think that their schedule, you know. It, after these next four weeks, it, it, it kind of drops off. Um, you know, obviously they have Ravens, Titans, Packers, Titans. 
So, you know, they have to keep that. That defense is going to have to be tough the next few games um, in order for them to have a chance to uh, win this division. Yeah, and I mean, this is this division in itself is really not that strong in comparison to the other ones. I mean, even if you look at the AFC South and NFC North, you have two 5-2 and two teams in the AFC South and then a 5-2 and two and a 5-3 and three team in the NFC North. These are probably two of... Two out of the three worst divisions in football, not mentioning the NFC least currently. But this this indie team is good when their defense is on. I just think they're expecting too much if they if they expect this defense to carry them through the rest of the season. So Philip Rivers needs to figure it out. Maybe spend some extra practice, get some extra reps with other receivers, but they need to do something soon. Otherwise, it's downhill for them. But what about the stunner of the week? And by stunner, I mean Dalvin Cook beating the Green Bay Packers single-handedly. Yeah, we knew that Dalvin Cook was uh, was good, and we knew that he was definitely a top-five running back in the NFL. But I don't think really anybody saw going into this week. You know, obviously, uh, the big the big story going into this week is the Packers – didn't do anything to bolster their defense, and they didn't do anything to give Aaron Rodgers another weapon. And that's another team that I think that they just need to get a new owner. Um, it's it was it was proven um, during their game um, that they were in dire need of, of help on the defensive side and run stopping, um, as well as they have to have another offensive weapon because when they could key in on Devontae Adams, um, you know. Obviously, he did have a three-touchdown game, but there are five, five-yard, one-yard, and seven-yard touchdowns. They were not able to really stretch the ball down the field as much as you know Aaron Rodgers' teams that have been successful have. Um, you know, when your tight end is your leading receiver, it's usually not a good sign. Um, also, the running game without Aaron Jones definitely um, is not necessarily as reliable. Um, so, hopefully, Aaron Jones makes a speedy recovery. Um, and then, you know, this defense of Minnesota, you know, found a way to not Minnesota this game because it did get kind of close towards the end. Um, but they found a way to, you know, sack Aaron Rodgers on, on the last play of the game and, uh, recover that fumble, even though it wouldn't have, uh, mattered. Um, you know, it almost, they almost got the, the tuck rule, but it was the, the wrist just ever so slightly was going forward. It wasn't the arm. So. Shout out to Minnesota for uh, coming out of, uh, you know, I thought it was Dalvin, when Dalvin Cook did the Lambo leap into nobody. I thought that was, I thought I knew right then and there that, that Minnesota wasn't, uh, wasn't messing around. Yeah. I mean, this Vikings team, what a way to come out though. I mean, when you, when everybody just chalks it up to like, this is going to be an easy week and maybe that's what the Packers thought going into this game. But when they showed up and they got hit right in the mouth in the beginning, they realized that Minnesota was in this game to win, and Dalvin Cook definitely took it to Minnesota. I mean, Green Bay, but like you said, Green Bay has to figure out what to do on defense. They're just – we went from a good defense to a terrible defense, in my opinion. This Green Bay team has not been able to stop the run. Uh, they allow tight ends the second most points in the league. It's just – it's an abysmal showing, and Aaron Rodgers is trying his hardest to carry – this Green Bay team with Aaron Jones out, it makes it a lot more difficult. But they need to, they need they needed help in their defense, and I don't think with um, 
the trade deadline ending today, or ending an hour ago, actually, they didn't pick up any key pieces that could have helped, you know, their defense out, or even pick up an offensive line or a guard to help keep Aaron Rodgers from getting sacked so many times. Yeah, and I think it really comes down to, you know, I'd like to pick a drive to really sum up the game. And I think if you look at the that, that you know, that first drive of the second half for the Packers, um, you know, starting off with a uh, three-yard run, an eight-yard pass with a uh, that ultimately got uh, brought back for offensive holding, and then a 45-yard gain to uh, Tanyan. And, you know, you're sitting there at the 37-yard line. You really have all the momentum. And instead of coming out, possibly running the ball, you know, getting some positive yards, they go four straight passes, none of which were targeted to Devontae Adams or Tanyan. Um, they're going to have to find that third option. Um, they should have picked one up. Um, they should have been really, you know, they should have been in the Will Fuller sweepstakes. Um, uh, you know, uh, Pat McAfee talked about it in his show yesterday uh, about how he was upset that they didn't even try um, to to make a deal. Um, and I think that the owner of the Packers needs to be fired and they need to get a new one because this they just wasted Aaron Rodgers' career. I I'm gonna be straight up right here. I'm like I, I'm not. This isn't the first time I've said it, but that that dude is way too talented. They should not have drafted Jordan Love. Love Jordan Love. I think he's gonna be a good quarterback. Not a great quarterback. Not an outstanding quarterback. Not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Not even a Pro Bowler. He's gonna be a good quarterback eventually. But they don't need that now. They needed to draft. I don't even know. They could have traded up, and, and you know, obviously they traded up to get in the first round. They could have drafted a defensive end. Somebody to get pressure, another cornerback to pair up with uh, Jair Alexander. There's so many things that this team needs. They could have drafted one of the, you know, receivers. Uh, this has had such a deep wide receiver class, but this it's really showing now um, for this Packers team, um, especially getting exposed by two really, you know, I'd say. Re- you know, of the two of the better defenses, and they barely beat this Vikings team um, in Week One as well. You know, if you remember, it's a forty-three to thirty-four game, so it was a it was a close game in that one as well. And you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be able to outscore everyone, um, especially this, this next week against the Forty ers You have a backup quarterback in the Forty ers so your defense all they have to do is play good, and they're going to find a way to win this game uh, this next week. So. Packers are big losers in the um, trade deadline sweepstakes. But let's yeah, move they, on. They let's get move. a great F. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let, let's move on, though, to the big winner of the trade deadline. Um, obviously, the rich are just getting richer. Um, you know, a man who, who weeks ago, um, or, or, you know, last week, um, ultimately got crushed by Kansas City, you know, um, a man named Avery Williamson. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Avery Williamson was on the was on the 0-8 Jets, who had just come off of a, you know, I would say it was a lot closer than the score. Or, I mean, it was a lot more ugly than the score actually um, showed. Obviously, uh, Kansas was, City got off to a slow so start. Ugly. They got off to a slow start. Um, you know, it wasn't the the prettiest showing for the, that first half of that offense. But ultimately, they came in 
figured it out and uh you know found a way to to pick up the victory um but Avery Williamson um for those of you who don't know like like I was saying was on the 0 and 8 team um is now a Pittsburgh Steeler and I talk about a big <laughs> swing uh, I mean, going from a dumpster fire that is 0-8 to the NFL-leading Pittsburgh Steelers sitting there at 7-0, and um, you know, Avery Williams is, is going to be a, is a huge addition to this team. Um, he is a really good tackler and um, as well as a really good pass defense, so he will fit uh, their need to um, fill in uh, the opening that was left by, um, was it? Oh, who got hurt? Somebody got hurt for them. Off the top of my head, I can't look. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, moral of the story is, you know, Jets, uh, there's not a whole lot to say about the game. Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes' thing. They ran a fake punt against the Jets, which I think is bull crap. All right, you're playing a really crappy team. <laughs> I don't care if it's a professional league. You know, have some class, Andy Reid. And okay. just, just, just. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, the, the punter had a better pass rating than Sam Darnold going into the game, so there's no reason to run the score up like that. Um, real bush league move by a, a veteran coach in Andy Reid. And it and it didn't stop there. Uh, do you remember the Jets swag surfing? That was their like mantra for the past couple of years. I don't know if you actually knew that, but this game got so ugly that Kansas City trolled them by playing it while they were on offense the whole time in the second half. Like, it was just, this game became a mockery super quick, and it was not, I didn't know what happened, why Kansas City decided to go this way, but this all, this was just adding insult to injury. I mean, this team already understood that they're just trying to make, they're just trying to get through the season at this point, and this was just not classy for, especially when one of the, we're supposed to have a, high respect for Andy Reid and this team. I just, I don't know. That docked them down a little bit in my in my book, at least. But you wanted to talk about this game really badly, so it's now time. Welcome to the NFL, Tua. I said this, and I was completely correct. I never, I wasn't wrong. If you watch Sunday's episode, I said Tua is not ready. And it was very apparent that he is not ready. This Dolphins defense carried him to a victory. Um, 12 for 22 for 93 yards. He's not ready. Fitz Magic come back in. He's got potential. Trust me, there was some of those throws that he did make were very accurate. Um, specifically, his first career touchdown pass was a dart uh, in between two, two defensive guys. Obviously, it's a short pass, so, you know. But, I mean, obviously, a 78-yard fumble return an 88 yard punt return for a touchdown. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna win that game no matter who you have a quarterback. But I think if you have Fitzpatrick in this game, I think it's a 40 to 17 affair. Um this offense did not really look that efficient. Um obviously good for them. Um but you also got to look at it. I know you had jitters and stuff, but that first drive sack fumble by Aaron, I mean, it's Aaron Donald. I understand that. You know, it's a really good defense he's going up against. But if you look at it, you know, the interception, he only had to go 37 yard, 33 yards to get his first touchdown. 
Um, he fumbled. Uh, obviously, he didn't fumble, but Miles Gaskin fumbled on their following possession. Um, and then the defense too huge, and then they they punted. Um, they 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 got another fumble that they they returned all the way to the one yard line where they they scored on a Miles Gaskin run. I mean, obviously, he didn't have to do much. He game managed, which is exactly you know what he did. Then he came out though that second half though. I mean. All four, all all six of their drives ended in punts. I mean, he has potential, and I and I understand everybody saying the reason why they did this is because they have a plethora of picks. If they need to pick another quarterback, they have the ability to. But I do think that I just think that it's it's not to a time. Um, congratulations about- on your first win. Uh, you and your brother getting your first wins on the same weekend is a special moment that you guys will probably remember for your rest of your life. Um, awesome, but I, I, I especially specifically, uh, as a, as a Bills fan, uh, as this is, this is, this is the second place team and obviously it's the clear second place team. I, I do, you know, obviously as long as they're not playing the Bills root for them because, you know, we beat them. Um, so it'll look credible if we beat them and they keep winning. So I really want them to, you know, succeed. So that makes us look better, but. This team is not good with Tua, especially right now. Obviously, that was a really good defense he faced, but it's not Tua time. And I called that on Sunday. I didn't. I did. I did think I picked um, the Rams to win that game, but you know, obviously, props to the defense of Miami for pulling it out. And uh, Aaron Donald must have missed that uh, message about Tua starting because that first hit he had on him was oh man, he rocked Tua for that strip sack. I mean, that was vintage Aaron Donald and. I think, like you like you mentioned on Sunday, this was probably the worst team to have him start against due to this outstanding pass rush. I mean, that front four that front four in uh, L.A. is probably one of the best in the league right now, with Aaron Donald on the on the field. And when he's on the field, you have to double and triple team him. And he was still getting back to Tua repeatedly. And it's just, I think he would be he would have been more efficient against a different team for this being his first start. But, you know, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, future episodes down the line, we might be saying, hey, we called it that, David called it that this, he might not be ready. We don't know. We'll see how it plays out. But as of right now, he is 1-0. Yeah, and to follow that up, I do think that this would be a completely different story if they would have sat him. He's sat him this week and next week against a really good Cardinals team and started him against the Chargers, Broncos, and Jets. There's your three games of the season where you should be able to win, your defense should be able to keep you in games, and that's where he should have started because then you can get a legit showing. I mean, you're playing the Jets, so you're going to play twice a year, so you'll see how he performs. And a young Broncos team who's going to be like – and a young Chargers team, so all of which are young teams that you will be fighting with in the future. So – I mean, I, I don't know. You know, obviously it worked out for him, but it was just all defense special teams. They gave two of the ball with 20 yards to go, and he took advantage of it. I mean, credit, you know, I'm not going to knock him for, for the victory, but it's not to a time. Fitzpatrick would have killed this Rams team. The second half efficiency was just not not good, and that's, that is a, a sign for concern. Obviously, good team. So we can't knock him completely. But anyway, enough knocking the uh, Tagovailoa brothers. 
Um, let's move on to the next game. So, what's more, what's more important for this for this upcoming game? Seven and zero Steelers, or where did Lamar Jackson go? Um, I think it's more of it's not necessarily where Lamar Jackson went. Um, I do think it's how good that this Steelers defense actually is. Um, from the get go, obviously the the you know two plays in the game getting a pick six is always a good start for a defense. Um, but I really do think that. You know, they were able to get after Lamar Jackson, contain him, uh, specifically on the ground. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins finally had his breakout performance in regards of rushing yards. I mean, he basically doubled his uh, rushing yards for the season. So I think that this is just a testament of how good this Steelers defense actually is. Now, do we see J.K. Dobbins keeping up with this pace, or do you think this is just kind of a... I think this is a lack of Mark Ingram. Um I think that if Mark Ingram comes back, I think some of the load will be off of him, and I think it'll go back to the Gus Edwards-Mark Ingram tandem. Um, J.K. Dobbins is definitely going to be a factor in the pass game, but you know it's going to be important three games, or four, honestly four games. You know you have the Colts. This is the Ravens, by the way. You have the Colts. Um, you have the Patriots. You have the Titans and the Steelers again. So this is a very important four games because if you can, you know, win two. Out of these, I mean, you're coasting. You got Cowboys, Browns, Jaguars, Giants, Bengals. You're coasting those last five games. So you just have to make it healthy through these next three games or four games. Go two and two at least. Uh, three and one would be honestly really good for this team. Um, but you're looking at the wild card team in the AFC. So I want to talk about just the Steelers' offense real quick because we know we know all about the Steelers' defense and what kind of pressure they bring to the to the game. But are we saying that this offense is just efficient enough to win football games? Or is it... Uh, how do I want to say this? Because, I mean, if, I, if we look at the stats, Roethlisberger threw for 182 and two touchdowns, no interceptions, had a QBR of 80. James Conner had 47 yards and one touchdown. Now, however, that offense also had three fumbles, and they lost one of them. So with this being said, how how does this offense, do we expect this offense to get better, or are they good enough to just win games? I mean, I would like to say that this is basically a clear-cut copy. Um, maybe, maybe I mean, they're, they're better. They are better than than this comparison, but I'm I would say this is a really close comparison. Is I would compare them to the 2018 Bears. Um, their offense is good enough to win games, but their defense is going to win more games than their offense. Um, you know whether it is preventing points, making huge key stops. Um, you know specifically, you know this game they were able to you know stop, um, stop the uh, offense at, in the clutch situation when Lamar Jackson had a chance to um, lead them back to victory. Um, so I do think that this, I would compare them to those 2018 bears, you know, where uh, Mitchell Trubisky was game manager and uh, was able to, you know, let the, de- the defense kind of basically win the game. <laughs> um, but yeah, but ultimately it is a bigger, um, it's a bigger deal that the Steelers won this game than that the Ravens lost this game because the Ravens lost to a good Steelers defense. 
Um, they're going to have to play him again, so they just need to regroup and you know move on. All right, and now probably the biggest coin flip of the day, Denver Chargers. Uh, yes. What a final... What a final eight minutes. I think it was eight, nine minutes. Almost 21 on it. 21 points. I mean, uh, who saw it coming? Oh, wait. I saw it coming. Josh. Drew Locke. Bringing it, it home. I know. I, and this was one of those coin flip games where, you know, uh, it, it could have went either way. This was all, it seemed to be a lock for the... Uh, you know, I, I they did leave a little bit too much time on the clock with that last field goal. Obviously, it's just how it worked out. Um, and they gave they gave Drew Lock just enough time to uh, you know, score. And then, I mean, I don't think you could have scripted it any differently at the end of the game. I mean, to 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 drive all the way down there to have a defensive pass interference on the last play, we're gonna put on the one yard line, and then not to run the ball, but to throw the ball on. I mean. On, that reminds on, me of the uh, the Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl. They definitely had a better play drawn up, though. I will say, <laughs> KJ Hamler was pretty open. Um, obviously, a huge second half comeback. Um, you know, a lot of people were counting them out when they're down fourteen to three at half. So huge gut check for the Denver Broncos. And Drew Locke is, I, I you know, I'm telling you this. He he, if they build around him and they give him pieces. Obviously, they are going to have to face this franchise or the dynasty that is the Chiefs, but he will be a solid quarterback. You know, I'd like to compare him to possibly a. I I mean, you know, with the history of the Broncos, he could probably be a Matt Stafford, where he's a really good quarterback on a tough team, but they play in a tough division. You know, like the, the Lions have always played against, you know, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings when they're good. Um, you know, I mean, they were a playoff team the last few years, the Packers and the Bears. I mean, you're looking at three really good teams. I mean, they have the Raiders. Um, they've had the Chargers in the past. I mean, this is a really good division that is, you know, half young, half established. So it's it's going to be, you know, a tough road for them to, you know, make the playoffs and stuff. But Drew Locke is going to be a really good quarterback. And I think that um, he's definitely on the up. It was a great game, and I mean, if if I was going to lose a game, that would have been the game to lose because that that literally could have gone either way. I mean, L.A. had it going into the fourth quarter, and then not taking credit away from Denver because they do owe it, but the collapse by this Chargers team. I mean, we've seen this countless times this year already. It just seems like they can't close these games out. I mean, Justin Herbert got him through, took that huge hit, came back in the came back in the game, and just didn't look the same. So, I mean, kudos to Drew Locke and Denver for getting the job done. And but, I mean, and it looks like to me like this Chargers team is kind of understands where they're at this season with the teams who are above them. And I think they are playing for the future. Um, you know, with them trading away, um, you know, all-pro punt returner um, Desmond King to the Titans. And... Um, you know, obviously they did sign a big free agent this year in Chris Harris and he got hurt as well as, um, uh, I'm trying to remember they lost another guy, um, to injury early in the season, but they are a, a, you know, regrouping. And I think that it is going to be, you know, a year before, um, they really do anything huge. So 
you know, both of these teams are really at this point playing for pride and for paychecks uh, at this point because both of these teams are pretty far out of the uh, race. Right. But moving on to, well, the team that I said wasn't going to make the playoffs to a team David thinks will contend for this final wild card spot. I, I, I said it was going to be a close game. The Saints are going to win. Uh, the Bears' defense really held their own. Um, they gave Nick Foles a chance to win. Uh, ultimately, it wasn't enough. Um, I mean, it was a huge comeback. You know, down ten, they did make it close. Um, ultimately, that that overtime, the the play selection in overtime was definitely questionable in my opinion. Um, I th- I do think that the Saints team got lucky. And I know you're probably in your head going, what what is this dude talking about? But I mean, here we go again. Alvin Kamara, 13 targets and nine receptions. The next closest, Jared Cook, their tight end with seven and five receptions. So they still don't have that receiver, that receiving core that they need to win these upcoming games because they have a tough schedule rest of the way through. Now, I'm not taking anything from the Bears defense because this Bears defense is still can compete with any team in the league. I just think the Saints squeaked by with this one. I mean, this offense did not look as good as they could have. I mean, what what do you what do you expect from them? I told you Alvin Kamara was going to be the reason they won the game, and he was. Um, I mean, this team was without Manuel Sanders, Michael Thomas, and Marquise Callaway. They're number, th- number one, number two, and number three receivers. Um, I mean, Traquan Smith stepped up where they needed him to. You know, obviously he didn't have a huge game, but he did enough to, you know, help out uh, the running game because they couldn't just hand the ball off 50 times. Um, but if I'm you look at... ready to hop on this Saints bandwagon. Yeah, and you don't have to, but trust me, the, the, the Saints bandwagon will welcome you whenever you're wrong. Um, uh, but, I mean, Taysom Hill stepped up, made uh, a really huge catch. Um, i never seen a white boy get that wide open in the NFL um, on a pass, um, ran virtually untouched in the end zone, and um, especially a former quarterback getting open like that. Um, but with that being said, I knew this was going to happen. Um, you know, Saints looking forward for their schedule. I mean, they have a huge game against the Bucks, and they're going to have the AB Bucks. Um, they, it's going to be important for them to get healthy this week. We'll see how uh, crazy they they get. Um, I, I do like their side. I do like their trade that the, that they did make, and I do think that um, Quan Alexander. Um, I do think that they understand that their 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 window is limited, specifically with Drew Brees, and I don't think I think that they kind of understand that Jameis Winston may not be the heir. So I think that they are in win now mode um, before they have to pay some of these guys. So I think that it's going to be important for them. You know, Quan Alexander is is it's I mean he's established himself, had a really good career, so. I don't think it's going to hurt them, and I think uh, it's going to be a, you know, I don't think they really lost a whole lot with Kiko Alonso. 
Um, obviously, you know, he's a talented player, but I think that they got the better end of the steal. Yes, they did. But moving on to an NFC battle between the 49ers and the Seahawks. Um, obviously, a huge news out of this one. It is, is time to go back to play. Who is that quarterback for the 49ers? Um, yeah, it, uh, right now it looks like Nick Mullins is the lead candidate. Um, he had a fairly efficient day in relief for the injured uh, Jimmy G, who is looking like he might be having a – I mean, it's basically a season ender. Um, you know, and George, George, Kittle, is George out, Kittle is out as well. I was just going to say that, you know, this team obviously devastated by injuries. Um, a lot of people were like, oh, they're having a hangover, but it's really not on them. I mean, they lost a whole bunch of just injuries and everything. Um, something, somebody to watch for with this team, um, that they could look to possibly picking up, um, you know, a, a Vic Beasley. Um, I know that he's kind of been, um, he was struggling. Going to be released. Yeah, he's going to be released um, uh, tomorrow. It, he's, he's basically told that he will. Um, it, obviously, you know, he has the issue with the, um, you know, being late to camp, and then, you know, they they held him out, and he really hasn't lived up to the hype. Um, so, I mean, but you got to think that this was this is a, he was a member of that Atlanta defense that that went to the Super Bowl and. I mean, he led the NFL in sacks. I mean, he he has to be able to help a defense who really needs that. You know, I mean, somebody's gonna have to step up and take the spot of uh, you know Bosa, who they lost. And I think that this is potentially somebody who could step in and uh, fill that spot. Um, there's also a lot of other teams who could use him as well. So it'll be looking interesting to see if anybody picks up some of these, uh, you know, veteran players that are you know, getting released right here. Agreed. But I also, I did say this on Sunday. I told you, watch out for DJ Dallas. He was going to have a game, you know. Tom Brady said it best, and this is the one thing that I respect Tom Brady for. He said, if you get an opportunity to, to get on the field, make the most out of it because you may not get another opportunity. And DJ Dallas made the best of his opportunity. Um I mean, it was a decent day. I mean, for a for a four string running back, it was a good day. Two but, touchdowns, you know, forty one yards. I, I mean, ground. averaging averaging two point three um yards is is not the best. Um, obviously the three catches uh or five catches, excuse me, um kind of helped him if you're looking at him as in a fantasy sort of way. But, I mean, it was a good game. I'm not knocking him for that. Um, he did enough to help his team win. I mean, if he doesn't score those two touchdowns, they lose by three points so or four points. So, I mean, credit to him again, but don't go crazy. He didn't have a super breakout game. Oh, and I'm not he saying he's going to be the – I'm not going to say he's going to be the next I know. Game. I understand. You said to watch but, DJ Dallas, but I'm just saying it wasn't the crazy breakout game. How no. about how about, about DK Metcalf though? I know I was about to say he is proving to you know really develop into one of the best receivers from that draft class um, in 2019, and it looked like they got a steal. You know everybody so was, was like I, he's too, was he's too big, he's slow, and I don't know about you, but watching him last week chase down 
Buda Baker, who had a 15-yard head start, I pretty much he is a big old middle finger to all the people who said he was slow out of out of high or out still of college. Don't know why I didn't draft him. I still that that's gonna haunt me if I lose if I lose my leagues because I didn't draft DK Metcalf. Well, he's one of those guys who stayed off the radar, you know. Um, I mean, he had a, a pretty decent week, but, you know. He can't stay off great. the radar anymore. But, I mean, and once again, Brandon Ayuk, someone you talked about on Sunday, not a bad day overall. I mean, 91 yards and a touchdown. He's probably the the lone bright spot of this 49ers offense right now. I mean, Jermichael Hasty. Filling in for um, Jeff Wilson Jr., who did not play, um, ran the ball not that efficiently either. I mean, he had a two point four average rushing yards, but this this offense is not good enough to even make the playoffs, in my opinion. No, and I think we've pretty much established that with Jimmy G going down. Um, obviously, Jimmy G has been kind of struggling this year, but I think that this pretty much pretty much knocks them out of playoff contention. Um, you know, they just need to get healthy and really look to next season um, as well. Another team that needs um, to get healthy um, or they're going to have to start looking towards the uh, next season is um, Dem Boys um, down in Dallas. Um, okay. Losing, losing. Well, I mean, I mean, just, it's just a punching bag. It's just a punching bag every week now. And I, they do it to himself. Um, I, I mean, started out high, you know, had the early lead um, going into halftime. And I really was like, all right, let's see, you know, hopefully, you know, they can get the offense going in the second half because, you know, three field goals is never what you want. Um, you know, huge 59-yard field goal right before half. You know, a lot of momentum seemed to be swinging their way. But then just, this, you know, the second half collapse. Um it just. But I will say, Mr. Ben, uh, ben DiNucci here, outperf- you know, uh, he outthrew Carson Wentz in this game. I mean, that defense did hold Carson Wentz accountable for, you know, for two interceptions this game. And it wasn't that bad of a performance for this Dallas team. They just couldn't get anything started. And I think that their struggles are just going to continue. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott was basically non-existent. Michael Gallup finally got some receptions in a game. But they couldn't get... It seems to me that their playmakers perform opposite weeks of their other playmakers. They don't have coinciding good games to make these games closer. It's Elliott has a good game, but none of the receivers have a good game. Michael Gallup has a good game, but no Amari Cooper... C.D. Lamb or Elliott. I mean, I guess give credit because the Eagles won, still first in the NFC East. But I don't know what to. I don't know what the what to do with the Cowboys right now. Pile pile of trash. All right, don't go. Don't go. Dumpster fire. Full of trash. It's what you, if you look at the NFC East right now, that's just what it is. I mean, you know, you said that he outperformed Carson Wentz, which isn't saying much this year. Carson Wentz is having a horrific year, regardless of him being in. And I think that this is just another reason why. I mean, if you look at it, I, 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 now me personally, 
obviously these are the years, you know, you have these years where you're like, oh man, you know what, what if, what if, what it could be. But this is one of those years where it's looking like, I mean, it's still early, you know, if they rattle off like five wins and, you know, get to eight and eight um, to finish out the year um, or it'd be eight, I guess, eight, seven and one. But I, I mean, it's just, it makes me wonder why the NFL wouldn't, you know, possibly think about developing something like, um, say, the NBA, where they have the top eight teams from a conference make it. Um, you know, it's one of those years, like, it doesn't happen very often, but there's always a year, you know, historically um, in the past, you know, those Rams and Seahawks teams that would make it nine and seven, eight and eight, um, that would just sneak into the playoffs because they're in a really bad division. Um, you know, the NFC West used to be horrible. Um, I just think, you know, ultimately it's one of those years where it's like you're looking at a seven and nine, you know, seven, eight and one team, eight, seven and one team who's probably going to make the playoffs. And you're going to look at a 10 and a 10 and six. Um, I mean, ultimately it's probably going to be a 10 and six Bears team that doesn't make the playoffs. Um, or it, depending on if, if they beat the Packers in their two head to head matchups. Obviously that could sway a little bit. Um, but uh, I mean, you're looking at some of these teams that, you know, are going to be snubbed from the playoffs, even though they have a way better record. And especially with the weird COVID year, I mean, hell, you should have just made it a top six and, you know, top seven teams in each bracket. Out of the conference. Yeah. I mean, especially because you already added an extra uh, wildcard team. So you might as well. That's not a bad idea. I mean, that's, Looking hindsight twenty twenty, yes, that's probably what should have happened. And and this is this is just like even if this was even if this didn't happen, you already added an extra team. At that point, you might as well you should have just made it the top seven teams from each side, and just whoever has the highest records in the conferences win. Because realistically, I mean, obviously, if the 49ers weren't decimated with injuries, you could have a, a scenario where all four of the NFC West teams could have made the playoffs. Like, they just straight up could have. Would have been like the um, NL Central. Maybe none of them would have won their first playoff game either. Exactly. <laughs> but, not now comparing things. But what about this other NFC East team? The Giants taking it to Tampa. You know, Tampa, they got into a slow start. Um they overlooked this game. They're really looking to this matchup against the Saints. You can tell they wanted to. They want to get back at them. Um, they're getting AB back. I'm not worried. Um, I do think that the rest blew this game. I think it should have went to overtime. Um, they blew the two point conversion. I mean, that's if that's not defensive pass interference. I mean, I think that he probably could have filed for an assault charge with. Uh, the amount of holding that he was getting on that play. So I do think that the rest blew it. Um, I think that they're, they really want Tom Brady to succeed, especially with the Patriots tanking. So I think they gave, they handed him this on a platter. Granted, I think that the Buccaneers probably would have won in overtime, but come on, give Danny Dimes a shot. You so know, what you're Giants, saying is, so, so what you're saying is, the Giants are the kryptonite for Tom Brady. Bill Belichick didn't pay the refs off. Tom Brady paid the refs off. And it's still continuing to this day that he's getting these calls that nobody else would ever get. I didn't say that, but I do think that they messed up bad. And I'm I'm not the only one who thinks it. 
there's a lot of people who think that that was a blown call. Yeah, I do. I uh, yes, but it is nice to see that this this Giants team does know how to play football. We haven't really seen it. I mean, season. ultimately, the two picks by Daniel Jones was what lost in this game. Um, but he's not the answer. We we said that whenever he tripped on a sixty-yard run. The blade of grass tackles back in that Giants defense. But regardless, the outcome is what everybody expected: the Buccaneers beating the Giants. Um, so that being said, that is our NFL wrap-up of the week. Um, like we saw some big news coming out of this weekend. We saw a lot of people get hurt as well. The injury bug is still hitting. COVID is still hitting these teams hard. But now moving away from football, you want to talk about some of these MLB awards that are that came out? Um, yeah, we have, um, you know, I specifically want to focus on just MVP, Cy Young, and Rookie of the Year. I think those are the, you know, um, really big ones specifically. Um, you know, obviously the American League finalists, you got Jose Abreu, DJ LeMayu, and Jose Ramirez. I really think this is a Jose Abreu's year. Um, the things that he did to make the White Sox a real legitimate competitor, and obviously with the weird playoffs, how it worked. I do think that this, I do think that he has a really good shot to win this. Um, personally, I think he should win this. Um, but uh, I, I want to hear your opinion on this one. Uh, out of those three, who you got? DJ Lemayhu, hands down. My opinion. Um, not only did last year finish fourth in a in the MVP race. He's a finalist again this year, and he he had one of the best um, averages. Well, he had the best average in the major out of all the majors at three sixty four, but his OPS was one point oh one one, which is the highest out of anybody who plays that position in five or six years. I think it's his race to lose. Don't now. I'm not taking anything away from Jose Brady because. Uh, he also had hits. It's so weird to see these low RBI totals and forgetting that it was a shortened season. We're used to saying 100 RBI, 100, 118 RBIs, but the thing I want to talk about the most is the total bases. Um, Jose Abreu led the majors in total bases out of out on hits, stolen bases, and everything, but his he came close to Luke Voigt and Homer's at 22. I just think LeMahieu's stats are probably a little bit better. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's move over to the NL side. Um, you know, Obviously, you got Mookie Betts, Manny Machado, and Freddie Freeman. I think the big surprise is Manny Machado. A lot of people were upset that he was over um, Tatis on his team as well as um, Marcelo Zuna for the Braves. Um, I think a lot of people had him pitted as the fifth best player in the National National League, and I think the name, um, obviously, he's an established name. That's why he's up there. You know, there's there's two ways to look at it. You know, Mookie Betts made the most out of his situation. 
And I think that, you know, people are going to take that into account. But I also think that you have an established guy who, who's been doing a year in a year out. And I think is really shown that he is possible to, you know, he's the cornerstone of this Atlanta Braves team and Freddie Freeman that I, you know, the sports fan in me wants Freddie Freeman to win, but I think Mookie Betts will ultimately win just based on how the season played out. And I, and I actually agree with you 100% on this decision. I think if the Dodgers did not win the, uh, the Super Bowl, holy cow, I'm still thinking football. If the Dodgers did not win the World Series this year, Freddie Freeman would probably win the NL MVP award. But because the Dodgers won, I think Mookie Betts gets the MVP award. Not that the two, not that the World Series and MVP coincide with each other. I'm not saying that at all. But I think because of how the season ended up and shaped, that is the reason Mookie Betts will get this MVP. All right, let's move to we'll stick in that we'll stick in that side of things. Let's move to the Cy Young for the NL. Uh, you have Trevor Bauer, Jacob Degrom, and you Darvish. A lot of people, you know, in this race specifically, um, they did, you know, they, they included Jacob Degrom, but if you think about it, you know, he's a really good player on a really bad team. Um, you know, this this Mets team is definitely underachieving this year, um, uh, for what a lot of people thought. Um, obviously I'm a homer and I really do like honestly, as a fan, I think it's gonna be a real toss up between uh Darvish and Bauer. It could go either way, but I do think ultimately those two both have the edge over DeGrom, specifically with their teams having success, making the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. And I do give the advantage to you uh, as as a unbiased opinion. I do think that you just had a little bit of a better year than Trevor Bauer, but it could go either way, in, in my opinion. Um, I think I think the bounce back from Trevor Bauer this year is the reason he's going to win Zion. Uh, last year when he was traded to the Reds, he went down the stretch and looked terrible. He won a total of 2-7 and seven with a 6.39 ERA in 10 starts. Um, but this season, he came out, he led the league, he led the majors with a uh, 1.73 ERA and struck out 100 batters over 73 innings. And something else that it really struck me as dominant is he allowed one run in eight of his 11 starts while striking out at least 12 batters. That is basically a trend of dominance that I don't think we have seen out of. We haven't seen that out of you, Darvish, and we definitely haven't seen them out of Jacob DeGrom. And I think that stat right there is the reason he wins the uh, Cy Young. And like I said, it's a toss-up in my opinion. I think it would go either way. Um, so I also don't want to see a Chicago Cup win anything, but that's just my biased opinion. But he, you Darvish had a phenomenal year. I will say that he is mm, one of the big reasons why the Cubs made it to the playoffs. All right, let's flip it. Ale. Um, I think there's only one choice. I think we're probably both going to agree. Um, while Kenta Maeda had a really, um, you know, and, and Hong Jin Yu had a really good year. I think that this is Shane, Shane Bieber's year. Um, I think we both agree on that. I think he just had uh, – it's it's a pretty easy pick. I mean, he did set the franchise record for um, opening day start. And I really – he just started off on a good foot, and it went – I mean, he just coasted 
um, this year. However, Ryu, I think it would be, if I had to pick a second place, it would be uh, you. And then uh, Kenta Maeda would bring it in with the third. Um, honestly, I think Maeda could have been replaced by, say, a Dallas Keuchel for the White Sox. You know, in that spot, I think that I would have thought like had, sunny, I thought would have thought like a Sunny Gray type. See, I didn't even think Sunny Gray. I like specifically. You know, obviously he's good, but I think in the power index, I don't even think he cracked the top ten. Uh, sunny Gray didn't. Um, but you know, uh, Maeda fell at number five in the power index behind Lance Lynn and Dallas Keuchel. So you know, kind Lance of one of those Lynn. <laughs> yeah. staple for the Cardinals. Um, but another person, obviously, who's, you know, his regular season wasn't as good as his postseason was Garrett Cole. Um, obviously, he didn't make the finalists really cat. So, um, fortunately for Yankees fans. But yes, I think we're both in agreement. It's Bieber. Um, now for the fun one. Uh, I always love it. I love the young guys um, coming out, showing what they're made of. Who you got? AL Rookie of the Year. Ailes. Uh, see, this is a tough one. I think it'll go Luis Robert, Kyle Lewis, Christian Javier. So I'm taking Luis Robert from the White Sox. Luis? Luis. Yeah, you just combined two names. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Lewis is a different guy. Uh, but uh, so, so you're taking Luis from uh, yeah. the White Sox? I think you the White Sox, right? Mm-hmm. I want to say the wrong team. Um, um, yes, I do. He had a really good season. Um, I think that Kyle Lewis will probably win it from the Mariners. Um, I know that, uh, that obviously with Rookie of the Year, I don't think it's as much of a team necessarily um, accolade per se. And I really think that, you know, I'd like to state this for all of these awards. I think that the pitchers got screwed in the shortened season because I think if you had a full season, there's no doubt in my mind that Brady Singer um, for the Kansas City Royals as a pitcher, he is in contention for this award. And he is probably going to win this award. Um, ultimately, his starts, you know, you just don't start enough games um, as a pitcher. Um so you like and and especially with like the MVPs, um, you know you you can't compete for a pitching as a pitcher, um, because you don't have enough starts. Because I I mean if you look at the power index for you know some of these leagues, I mean you Darvish is is the number three, um, behind Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts for the MVP race, um, and then in the AL side you actually have Shane Bieber who's sitting at the top of the MVP race. He just didn't have enough starts. Um, to win the MVP. So, you know, ultimately, I think that especially these rookies who get hurt with it, um, specifically, like, I think Brady Singer deserves it. Um, he's really done stuff with a really bad Kansas City team that has given them hope for the future. But I think Kyle Lewis ultimately gets it done in the AL. Okay. And I just don't think, like I said, the pitching, um, I don't think that uh, – for the, the the Houston relief pitcher, uh, Christian Javier, I just don't think he pitched enough. That is... Mm. Yeah, and I agree that pitchers did get screwed. Because I think we could have seen a lot more... Rec- we could have seen records being broke this year with how on fire these pitchers were. But moving on to the NL 
rookie of the year. You have Alec Bohm, Jake Cronenworth, and Devin Williams. Who's your take? Um, I like the kid. Um, for, I like Devin Williams a lot. Um, I did get to watch him play. Um, you know, this season with him being in in the um, with him being in the central. Um, I did get to watch him play the Cubs twice. Um, you know, late late in the season. Um, as well as I believe he made his debut against them. Um, you know, again with the pitching, he's a relief pitcher. He just doesn't see. You know, I like him. Um, especially you know he's from Florida, Missouri, so pretty close to home. Um, I just think that this ultimately goes to a player who you know made an impact more than just you know in twenty games this season. I like Cronenworth just because you know he did produce um, in the playoffs and he did have an opportunity to play in the playoffs. Um, I give him the slight edge um, over Alec Baum, but Alec Baum was also on a Phillies team that was uh, underperformed for their standards. That seems to be the trend right now. Is some of these higher payroll teams are just under under. We talk about the Dodgers having the highest team salary and winning, but there's a lot of teams that spend a lot of money that don't win, like the Yankees. The Red Sox have a high salary cap. Um, the Phillies obviously do, and this just happens to be one of those times where being on this team doesn't help you. So I mean, I, and I mean this this year is no knock. It's no knock on Alec Baum. Um, huge, you know, finished finished fifth place in batting average. Um, with a minimum of thirty five games played. Um, that's a huge accomplishment, especially for a rookie. Um, regardless, and he's going to have a bright future with this team. Um, especially with the young core that they're trying to build there. So, um, no knock to him. Um, I just do think that with the postseason experience, I think you kind of got to give. Um you have to kind of give a little bit of a, a nod to um, Cronenworth. So, and Devin Williams, obviously, it, I mean, if they, if they do see um, and they look, you know, he wasn't a really strong reliever. I mean, it's possible. Um, I've seen crazier things happen. That's for sure. All right. And I just want to run down through manager of the year. We don't have to give our takes because I'm pretty sure just by hearing these names, you will under, you will have an idea of who's going to win. So for the AL finalists is Kevin Cash from Tampa, Charlie Montoyo from Toronto, and Rick Renteria, ironically, from the Chicago White Sox. And then from the NL, it is this one's a little bit tougher in my opinion. Don Mattingly from Miami, David Ross from Chicago, and Jace Tingler from San Diego. Uh this this is this is way easier than the other one is. Uh this is very clearly Don Mattingly. The fact that he was able to make a playoff team that was able to defeat a really established team in the Chicago Cubs, um, all while fighting a pandemic that basically wiped out his team in the first few weeks. Um, this is definitely a, a Don Mattingly's award. It's uh, definitely his. Um, and then in the other side, I mean, I think obviously you got to give it to Kevin Cash, what he did with Tampa, what nobody really thought they were going to do, um, especially in that division. So I think these are both really easy, easy picks. So, well, maybe maybe next maybe on Wednesday we'll go over a little bit of the Gold Glove. Uh, we'll talk a little bit Gold Glove uh, conversation. See if we uh, any players you think got snubbed or what's your overall opinion about how these awards got handed out.
But other than that, I think we are all set today. Yeah. Um, you know, we will uh, try to keep everything, everybody posted with, you know, uh, free agency um, and, you know, all the sports, any acquisitions that are made. Um, look for some Antonio Brown news coming up later this week, I'm sure, as we get closer. And don't be that. so worried about picking him up immediately when he comes up, when he comes on the waiver wire. Just let it ride for a week or two, see how he clicks, and then decide. Don't just pick him up because remember that's a roster spot for everybody. You gotta think about that. <laughs> and uh, we will uh, we will see you tomorrow. Um, don't forget um, to tune in on Thursday for episode two of Head to Head, um, hosted by our stats guy Corey K. So um, with that being said, we're going we're gonna to let you go. Um, Enjoy the rest of your beautiful Tuesday. I mean, this weather is gorgeous. Might be the last good week of the year before we start getting miserably cold weather because it is Missouri after all. Well, David's in Texas, but he still gets this kind of weather as well. And as you can see here in the back, um, I, I did not choose this background. This was chosen for me. Um, I am a pro uh, Thanksgivinger. Uh, it's a little so, too early to be celebrating Christmas. Just it's the background that was chosen for me. I apologize to all the viewers out there. But anyway, we're going to let you go. Enjoy your day. Peace. Take it easy.